Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. We are beginning with a closer look at something that seems to be catching on in the healthcare field. It's called telehealth. Basically, it puts doctor and patient together, not in the physician's office, but online for consultation, diagnosis, and treatment. Joining me to talk about it are Dr. Jennifer Wessels. She practices family medicine and is affiliated with the region's SSM Health Hospitals and its newly launched telemedicine program. Colleen Birding is a registered nurse and the telehealth program manager for the VA St. Louis Healthcare System. Melissa Douglas is the owner and distance counselor for Goal Driven Counseling, LLC. She focuses primarily on mental health issues for young people. Ladies, thanks so much for being with us. Nice to have you. Thank you. Dr. Wessels, let me begin with you. Can you give me kind of a brief explanation of what telehealth is? Sure. There are a variety of ways to use telehealth. Um, A lot of folks use that in a video visit situation. It's similar to a Skype or a FaceTime with your doctor. Um, Some people also use something called a store and forward technology. That's where a patient or another medical professional would send um, photos or images or x-rays to a doctor distantly. That doctor would review that information and then send it back to the patient for a diagnosis and review. How effective is it proving to be? Well, it's proving to be very, very effective, especially in certain specialties like psychiatry and dermatology. They use it very frequently, and it's becoming more and more important in primary care as well. Alina, let me come back to you. How is it working for the VA, and how long has it been working there? Well, actually, Don, in the VA, we've done telehealth for a number of years. We started in the 1990s um, doing primarily video visits and store and forward visits, um, in uh, different in different locales, uh, we were primarily tasked with bringing healthcare, particularly specialty care, to remote locations and rural areas. And actually, one of the areas uh, here in the Midwest that was a pioneer for telehealth is the Poplar Bluff uh, VA. We hear so much about uh, so many veterans being far removed from facilities. Uh, so this must be a, a boon for the VA and for them. That is, there are a lot of veterans in what's considered rural and highly rural areas. So we have the specialists. This is a problem not just for the VA, but in many areas. Specialists congregate in highly populated urban areas, and their uh, patients are in rural and highly rural areas. So that's the that's the gist. That's the gist. Okay. Melissa, let me come to you now, because I would think that dealing with mental health issues would be a little bit trickier doing, uh, doing this kind of a system. Is it? Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not. And so I use a video conferencing software. And so that helps to actually see and develop a very equivalent relationship like you would in person. And so when we're thinking about diagnosing and looking at symptoms and things like that, um, I know I not only can hear tonality of my client's voice, but I can see the affect. I can see if what they are saying to me matches what they actually uh, look like. And we can develop the same rapport and relationship like we would in person. And so all of the basics for diagnosing and a fullness of the diagnostic criteria is very apparent during video conferencing. Now, your advanced degree is in social work, as I understand. Is that correct? Yes. Um, Does that qualify you to diagnose a a serious mental illness? Yes, it does. And so I'm a licensed clinical social worker, Mm -hmm. and I am qualified to diagnose. I am not qualified to prescribe any medications or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But yes, with a, a licensed clinical social work degree, that gives me that ability. When you find someone who has a problem, what do you do then? 
You work with them, but do you (laughs) refer them someplace perhaps? Yeah. And so with mental health, I am looking at, that's what I'm there for, is to Mm -hmm. help with mental health concerns. And so if there are symptoms of depression, anxiety, uh, trauma, things of that nature, that's what um, I work with my clients on. Um, Distance counseling, like I refer to it, and so we know it's distance counseling, virtual counseling, online counseling, (laughs) e-counseling. It's just tons of different uh, words for it. And so it's typically not uh, designed for people who have uh, more acute mental illnesses. And so those who may be experiencing delusional symptoms of schizophrenia or who may have uh, symptoms of psychosis where there are delusions around technology or hearing voices and seeing hallucinations. Um, Those who are chronically at a level of uh, self-harm and suicidal ideations, it may not be as safe either. And so with distance counseling, it is designed a little bit and it's a little bit more helpful for people who are experiencing some of those common mental illnesses like depression anxiety, and traumas. Dr. Wessels, what sort of limitations do you have in in diagnosis Mm -hmm. and treatment? Sure, sure. Well, especially in telemedicine, we need to make sure that patient is safe and appropriate to be seen via video visit. Mm -hmm. So we can see folks who have um, minor acute illnesses like colds or flus, and we can also see people with some more chronic issues like uh, uh, medication follow-ups, diabetes, and smoking cessation, um, education, and counseling. Um, Folks that are having a serious issue like a heart attack or stroke, they need to be in person in the emergency room. Um, Folks, obviously, who need um, uh, lab draws or IV medications, those folks need to be there in person. In other words, life-threatening illnesses are not something that can be handled very effectively. How long does it take to, uh, to set up an appointment? Well, here with SSM, you can get an appointment set up the same day. Um, so usually your appointment could be within an hour or a couple hours of when you set it up online. And, and how long will the doctor typically take with a patient uh, using uh, telehealth? Well, they will take typically about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, sometimes if your issue is resolved sooner than that, it, you could be done even faster. Let me turn back to Colleen here with regard to uh, the uh, Veterans Administration. Going to uh, to what um, to what uh, the doctor had just said here, and what Melissa had said with regard to mental health issues. I'm sure that that comes up fairly frequently when it comes to veterans, because we hear so much about PTSD and that sort of thing. So, what what are your uh, attitude and actions in this regard? Well, those those things, all the concerns that were mentioned, those are all things that, that are considered by the clinicians. Um, we've been, the VA's been doing mental health uh, types of telehealth for mm-hmm. a very long time, and those are all things that are considered in terms of what's what's needed for the veteran. It's very customized because we meet the needs of the veteran, and it's a very special relationship between that patient and that provider. And as a uh, telehealth person, I like to tell people, I can tell you all about it on the middleman. Mm -hmm. The relationship between you and your provider is probably the most important thing there is. The technology is great, but it's a tool. And in the hands of a skilled and capable provider, this tool can make care go wherever that veteran is. And that to us is the most important thing. And um, 
with cell phones and uh, smartphones and that, this care really does go anywhere. You are a registered nurse. Yes, sir. And I'm wondering how this is impacting nurses and the nurse's role in the uh, doctor-patient relationship. Well, nurses in, <clears throat> uh, nurses in a telehealth environment, particularly in the VA, we serve a number of different roles. Traditionally, nurses have... Uh, participated in remote monitoring uh, activities that help in a, like a case management situation to keep people healthy and out of acute care situations like the hospital or the emergency room. In other situations, nurses act as telepresenters in a clinic. Um, prior to coming to this position, I, w- I worked in a service where I managed an infectious disease clinic with our infectious disease specialist down the street here, John Cochran, and I provided the hands and the technology assist for the provider here at John Cochran so my veterans at Jefferson Barracks wouldn't have to risk time and travel to come up here to see those specialists for uh, specialty follow-up. Dr. Wessels, uh, maybe a case in point or example here. Uh, If I think that I have the flu and don't want to get out of the house and go to see my doctor, Mm -hmm. what do I do? If I haven't been part of this process before, what do I do? Sure. Well, if you're a patient of SSM Health, what you'd want to do is go online to our SSM Health website, and you'd schedule an appointment with your doctor, if your doctor's one of our physicians who's doing the telehealth visits, and you would schedule an appointment just like you would if you were going to come in on person. Um, you'd then have our MyChart, SSM MyChart app on your phone. When it's time for your appointment, you'd load up the app on your phone. It would open up something like a FaceTime type of picture, and your doctor would log on and you would see each other and be able to talk to each other just as if you were there in person. You said that can happen on the same day. It can. Is that likely? It is right now, yes. <laughs> Why right now? Because you're early on in this whole process. We are early on, yes. So you can still get appointments same day. How do the doctors like it? How do you like it? Sure. Well, I like it a lot, actually. It's very convenient for both the the patient and the physician. Um, it's an interesting way to practice. And as a physician, I like it because we can really get in touch with our patients easier and more often, especially for those patients who have trouble getting in. And patients really like it because it's convenient for them. If they're not feeling well, they don't have to make a trip into their physician's office. And if they have trouble with transportation, trouble with getting off of work for the day, um, trouble with child care arrangements, it makes it really simple. Sure does. It sounds very convenient to me. And Melissa, let's come back to you with regard to how it works for you. How many patients, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. would you be talking to in a given day? In a given day, I have between six to eight sessions. And they would yeah. typically last for how long? They are 50-minute sessions, so about an hour. Uh, you're dealing mm-hmm. primarily with young people. Yeah, so I specialize with older teens and pretty much the millennial generation. And so I niche myself in a with a population who are experiencing transitions through educational transitions, career transitions, and life transitions. And so for me, um, they would go onto my website and request a consultation Um, In that consultation, I'm asking um, detailed information about why they are seeking services, and I'm also doing an assessment of fit. And so in that assessment of fit, I am asking safety questions to hear what those symptoms are that they have and making sure that it's appropriate for distance counseling. I'm making sure that they have the technology um, 
available to actually connect with me so that there isn't any disruptions or interruptions. And then from there, we can schedule an appointment. From there, it's just as easy as me sending them an email. From the email, they can access all of my consent forms and notice of privacy practices and go through e-signatures. And on there, their, their appointment time pops up. During that appointment time, they can check in with me. A video screen pops up, and it's just that simple. It would seem to me, doctor, that the process might eliminate a certain part of the population. That is, older people generally aren't as tech-savvy as the younger people, and that therefore they would maybe not even have access to this opportunity. Well, you'd be surprised. We have a lot of older folks actually who really love to use this, and they are on their iPad or on their iPhone all the time, sometimes more so than our younger folks. But um, it is an optional service, so you can choose to do it if it's something that you're interested in and you feel comfortable with. Let me be coarse. Is the fee that the doctor would charge the same as if the patient had come in 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 person? So we don't bill insurance right now, so your fee for an SSM video visit with your doctor is a $45 flat fee, no Mm -hmm. more, no less. How about with the VA? For the most part, uh, it depends on the situation. Um, most veterans do not have a copay. Okay. I'm not a billing person, so you'd have to ask our billing department. Uh, okay, so it's almost crude <laughs> to even ask, but I think people do wonder what features like this are going to cost. I have to take a break. We'll do that now and come back momentarily. We're talking about telehealth, which is a, a 21st century innovation now in healthcare. We're talking with Dr. Jennifer Wessels uh, of the region's SSM Health Hospital System. Colleen Birding is the telehealth program manager for the VA here in St. Louis, and Melissa Douglas is the owner and distance counselor for Gold Driven Council. LLC. We'll come back, continue the conversation. If you'd like to be a part of it, we'd love to have you. Give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org. If you'd prefer to send a tweet, do so at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. back to our conversation with Dr. Jennifer Wessels, Colleen Birding, and Melissa Douglas. We're talking about telehealth and telemedicine. Doctor, I'll come back to you with regard to the issue of privacy. It's a big deal, obviously, in the healthcare field these days. Um, How is that addressed or impacted at all by this system? Sure, sure. Well, our physicians who are doing the telemedicine visits are in their office at SSM, so it is just as private as if that patient were there in person. The doctor is alone in their office just uh, as they would be for a normal visit. Um, The patient is told that they should be in an area that is safe and secure and private. Um, but just like you would want to bring your spouse or a family member in to the doctor with you, you could have them on the video visit with you if you prefer. Yeah. And that's probably a pretty good idea under any mm-hmm. conditions, in, in right. the office or outside of the office. Melissa, how about you? I mean, privacy would certainly be an issue in the mental health area. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so like Dr. Wessel said, I have a home office, and when I decided to do uh, telemental health, uh, I had the opportunity to get my office built, and so I took certain considerations in, and my office is actually soundproof with thicker insulation and walls and things because it's in my home. And so on my side, with that as well as the platform that I use with WeCouncil, it is secure to a federal standard. 
I also um, as well talk to my clients about them needing to also create an atmosphere and environment of confidentiality and privacy within themselves. But when we use these platforms, and so I use WeCounsel, it's a third party platform. And so with them, I also have what's called a BAA sign, and it's called it's a business associate agreement. And it says that them as a third party will never release any of the client's PHI or anything of that nature as well. And Colleen, I have to assume certainly the VA has all of this uh, covered. Yes, we have to meet federal standards, uh, as was mentioned. So that's why that's that's a big that's a very big deal. Yeah. What about hands on? I mean, when I go to the doctor, they take my, my blood pressure and they take my pulse. You can't do that uh, online. Oh, you sure can if you've got the right kind of <laughs> devices. Most of the um, the devices that we would have that are in a home environment, uh, nowadays they're Bluetooth-enabled devices, so they'll pair with uh, an iPad or a device that handles Bluetooth, and they can actually send those messages over to the provider. Same thing with the SSM? That's right. If the yeah. patient at home does have their own devices, they can um, hook that right up into their iPhone and a lot of times send those images right to their doctor. What if they don't have that? Well, then a lot of times the doctor can still give good medical advice or make a diagnosis just via their video visit, just as if you were, if you were talking on the phone with your doctor. But if the doctor feels like they need to come in for an exam or more testing, that patient can come right into the office then and still be seen. You say come right in. Uh, does that mean right in, or does that require another appointment, maybe having to wait a period of time? Well, that would depend on the patient's uh, individual circumstances and what the doctor needs. In some instances, the doctor could have them come in that same day, and in some others, it could be a couple days later. It depends yeah. on what's needed. Yeah. We have a caller who wants to get into the discussion, so let's bring in Nathan. He's calling from House Springs. And Nathan, thanks for waiting. You're on the Hi, thank you for the call. Yeah, this is great. I just wanted to say how the application is in ways that you wouldn't think. Uh, I'm a dentist and at a community health center, and we do uh, teledentistry, which is done similar how dermatology works, where it's not live with the patient. Hygienists would go out, take records, save them, and the dentist would review and send the treatment plan to the patient. We do it in nursing homes and in uh, schools mostly. Can, can you just uh, elaborate just a little bit? I'm not quite sure I got all of that in terms of uh, of how that works. Yeah, a dentist in Missouri can go to the patient or send a dental hygienist to a patient oh, okay. in uh, the nursing home or in a school. Uh, we're actually doing it uh, in our primary care offices and uh, the information is captured by the dental hygienist and sent to the dentist for review. All right. Well, everybody is shaking their head here up and down and nodding in effort. Have you heard of this before, Doctor? I have not heard of teledentistry, but I, I can see how that would be excellent for a lot of those patients, especially those nursing home patients. That's right. great. What do you think, Melissa? I think it's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. There's just, you know, it's, it's really remarkable where this has gone since a very short period of time. Where do you think it can go? Uh, well, I'll go to the VA here, Colleen, on this because you've been doing it for longer than anybody else. Well, predominantly when we started and the way the models were for care for CMS and other agencies for the private sector, it was one facility to another. The models now are covering 
uh, broader span of services as well as those services into the home and we're affected by recent regulatory changes so we can see veterans wherever they are mm-hmm. we're not we're not subject to the to the boundaries as of may 11th a federal rule was passed for and they call it anywhere to anywhere so as of june 11th a veteran who is here in St. Louis, we have a number of national centers here in St. Louis. Mm. If they were to go home to another state like Tennessee, our providers can see them in any VA facility with mm. their license the way it works in the VA. But when that veteran would go to Tennessee, if that provider were not licensed in the state of Tennessee, they could not see them. In, Ju- in June, that will change. So that provider has an existing relationship when they've come to St. Louis where, for whatever care needs they have. If they require follow-up at home and they're a candidate for um, telehealth in the home, then that provider will be able to see them without issue. Doctor, is crossing state lines, for instance, an issue here? Um, Yes, it is. So each state has their own rules and regulations surrounding telehealth. So here in Missouri, um, providers here who are licensed in our state can only see patients who are physically in the state of Missouri. Right. Melissa, how about you? Yes, same for mental health services. And I did want to add to the question earlier when you were talking about access with mental health services, uh, traditionally a lot of what people know is a lot of homework assignments and in-between session things. And also with telehealth, with mental health services, I can share my screen with my clients and we they can do journaling uh, sessions that I can see in between. And so, yes, the state boundaries are the same for mental health. But I wanted people to know that with mental health services as well, we can be very interactive and see each other's um, uh, assignments that was worked on. Could you give me an example, Melissa, of, of a consultation? Obviously, no names. But mm-hmm. just I, I'm curious to know in a 50 minute session uh, what you'd actually be doing. Yes. And so at the beginning of every session, um, after I do a very detailed assessment, and so assessments take usually two sessions, and I'm doing a complete biopsychosocial assessment. We're talking about childhood, upbringing, uh, mental health concerns, symptoms that are present, uh, career, family, like everything that you can think about in that um, what encompasses life we're talking about. From there, we create what's called a treatment plan. And that is an agreement between me and the client that says, these are the things that I I want to work on and that I want to improve on. From there, when we actually start our sessions, every session begins with a check-in because I like to tell my clients a lot of life happens in between that week when mm-hmm. we meet with each other. And so they've given me an idea of what's going well, the um, coping skills and things that we're talking about and some of the the changes in management of symptoms. We're checking in to see what's going well, what's still challenging for them. And then from there, I always come in with a little bit of an idea of what we're going to work on for that day. And we talk about the challenges. We talk about coping skills and processing a lot of different information. Um, I see a lot of cognitive distortions that are present. And so what that means is there is a, an interruption in the thought process that needs to be corrected. And so um, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy is a lot of what I use as well as solution focused brief therapy. And so with those, there is a lot of um, assessments and uh, questions and things that I can ask to help them work through those challenges. And then after that, we usually do a little bit of a debriefing of the session. Um, We talk about any homework assignments and we do that pretty much every week. Sounds like it's a busy session. (laughs) Yeah. Doctor, um, what about liability? 
I mean, that's an issue certainly in the medical field today on malpractice is something sure. doctors worry about. How do you deal with that part of it? Sure. Well, really, you are giving the same quality of care to your patient on the video visit that you would if they were there in person. And if you ever at any point in time feel like that person is not safe to be talking to you on the video, that they need to be there in person, then you immediately refer that patient in to come see you in person or go to the emergency room. So really, your liability should be about equal as if you're seeing that patient face-to-face in person. Is this an issue you face at all, Colleen? That I think it's an issue in any anywhere yeah. in the medical field. I'm not an expert on it, but that is safety is always a is always a concern for the person. And as I said, the provider is the one who we incur we work with to tell them that the essential part of telehealth is the safety pieces. You need to tell the patient when to come in. Yeah. Our time is winding down, but let me ask each each of you, and I'll start with you, Colleen. What, what is the challenge you face? What challenges do you face in this uh, telehealth uh, world? There are lots of them. I could spend a whole segment just doing those. Um, when, particularly for us, for reaching out to veterans in rural areas, um, everybody talks about, you know, they have their smartphone and these other devices, which is not unusual um, anywhere. But when you encounter these type of technologies and you have areas that have dead zones or there's lack of broadband in the homes mm-hmm. to accommodate people, that is an issue. And we're slowly but surely getting around some of those things. But those are those are definitely physical barriers to bringing care to people where they are. And did you say VA's been doing this for 20 years early on? Is something Probably like that? in some way, shape, or form. They've been doing it for quite a long time. And, Doctor, how long have you been at it? Um, at SSM, we've been doing this uh, almost two years now. Uh-huh. Well, that, you've got a pretty good start on it. Mm-hmm. What are your challenges? Um, a lot of the same things that, that Colleen mentioned. Yeah. Um, it's also challenging to get to wor- the word out to the patients to let them know that mm-hmm. this technology is here, they can use it, and it's available to them. Well, how can they get, aside from doing a program like this, how can they get the word? Sure. A lot of um, our physicians are talking to their patients when they come mm-hmm. in, let them know that, hey, this is here, you can use it, and giving them handouts and information on how they can sign up and how they can start using it now. And I'm sure you have some sort of an online opportunity for that as well? Yes, we do. You can visit our SSM Health website and get signed up and learn all about it. We will put a link to that on our website. Melissa, last but not least, uh, how about you? Absolutely. I can echo the same challenges where we love technology, but sometimes it can be fickle. So that's one thing. Um, Also, people having access to uh, the appropriate level of internet connection, also the technology to connect with. And so when I started this, I definitely wanted to reduce barriers and normalize the conversation around mental health. And when I started to go out and talk about Telemental health. The response is usually tele what, <laughs> and so I'm very committed to doing a lot of community, doing a lot of education in the community. And so with businesses, organizations, schools, college campuses, I've developed what I call the Taking the Will series, and it is education on several different mental health disorders as well as the option of telemental health to address each and every one of those. Well, this is all very exciting, and I thank you all so much for being with us, Dr. Jennifer Wessels, Colleen Birding, and Melissa Douglas. Great talking to you, and I think a lot of people learned uh, something new today. Thank you very much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.